For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. I sound relaxed. I'm very relaxed. I am back from my little hiatus. Yes, one week off. That's the hiatus we get around here on Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast that I, your host, Shane Told, brings to you almost every week where I speak to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. And yes, I had a Beautiful holiday. I went down to Jamaica my first time there. It was uh, absolutely beautiful, absolutely wonderful. All the people there were just so great. Um, really needed it. Uh, the Silverstein record is finished. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of stress. Uh, I talked a little bit about it, you know, over the last few intros, you know, of these episodes, but uh, it's done. The record came out great. And now that I've been able to go clear my head, a little bit. Um, well, not completely, because I went to Las Vegas and, you know, did the whole thing after, too. I mean, come on, this is lead singer syndrome. We don't just go to tropical islands, right? We got to party a little bit, too. Uh, but now that the record's done, I've had a little bit of time to sit on it, listen back. I am feeling super good about this album. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for everybody to hear it. And uh, now we just, you know, do all the things you got to do setting up an album. So, that should be a lot of fun. This week, we have a great guest, an amazing guest, a guy I've wanted to talk to for a very long time. I'm a huge fan. Greg of the Menzingers is here on the program, and uh, it's his first podcast, apparently. So there's probably a lot here that even if you're a huge fan of the Menzingers, you might not even know, because we get pretty deep about all kinds of things, and uh it was really, really a terrific episode, which is why I've kept it here. 
so that the big return of the podcast after my one-week hiatus, you know, it's going to be a good one. So sit back and get ready for that. Last week, there was an episode of the podcast, but only the members of the All Access Club got to listen to that one. So yeah, if, if when I take these breaks, it's uh, you're like, oh man, where's that episode? Oh, and you're a little bummed out. Maybe you need to throw me a bone because you're going to throw yourself a bone as well. You're going to get all these great bonus episodes. You're going to get all this other stuff, merchandise, and an amazing community of people, other fans of the show, access to them, and of course, access to me. And it is called the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. And it costs as little as $6 a month. That gets you all the bonus content and uh, a lot of great stuff, really. And uh, there's higher tiers as well if you want to support the show more and more. And it really is what keeps this thing going every single week, minus last week, which I needed a break. Uh, But check it out. The link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Like I said, only $6 a month. It really, really does help me out. Once again, that link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Silverstein News, in case you're interested, we are going on a great big tour and it starts in January, actually. We're starting off in Australia, lucky us, at the Unified Festival. The Unify Festival, sorry, I always say Unified because that's the label we're on. The festival is the Unify Gathering Festival. That's what we're playing. It's going to be great. Some great bands like Architects, The Ghost Inside, North Lane. It really is a great lineup. Then we're headed to the Philippines. If you're from there, and I know some listeners, they are from there. Check it out. We're playing in Manila. That's going to be awesome. We're playing Hawaii, and then we go to, over to Europe, celebrating 20 years. Oh my God, we've been a band for 20 years. With three sets, it's going to be really, really awesome. And after Europe, we're doing the US and Canada. Tickets are on sale for all of that stuff right now. Head over to Silverstein20, that's Silverstein20.com, for all your tickets and VIP needs. Well, that's about it for the intro. Uh, I missed you guys. I really did. I was on the beach of uh, Jamaica, just closing my eyes, drinking a red stripe, being like, man, I I should be editing a podcast right now. Wait, I don't have to. I got a whole nother week, but I did think about you guys. So thank you for listening to this thing and make sure you hit the subscribe button as well because next week we got another banger. I'll talk to you after this episode. Here it is, my conversation with Greg of the Menzingers. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. This is actually, my, it's my first podcast. <laughs> oh, really? I'm yeah, surprised. I've never done one before. I would have figured like Ray from 100 Words or Less, you'd probably know Ray Harkins, or like yeah. one of those people would like have had you on. I mean, 
I I don't know. You know, me, you know, it's Tom is typically the podcast guy. Tom, oh, okay. Tom does a lot of podcasts, and uh, he's he has his own podcast. He's really into him. And right. uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that typically when it comes up, I'm always just like, "Hey, Tom, why don't why don't you do it?" You know, I know how much you love him and stuff. So, but uh, yeah, t- um, I was just like, "Yeah, why don't I do one?" <laughs> no, totally. I, I was talking about having you on the show for like years, though. I think it was oh, uh, awesome. I don't know if he's, if Tim is still your manager. Tim's a hot. He team. is. Yep. He is. Yeah. Oh, I loved him. He used to manage our band actually. Awesome. Um, nice. Yeah. He's a great guy. And I th- was talking to him about this like years ago. I think like when I first started the, the show. Oh, so nice. I've been a huge fan of you guys. Like, I guess pretty much since your, well, I guess it was your third record on the impossible past. Yeah. And I've yeah. always wanted to just, just chat with you. So this is really, really cool. It's like years. Amazing. Amazing. So where are you right now? You're off, you're off for a bit or, um, you got some shows coming up. What's, what's, we the- have a, so we're about halfway through our tour, and today's a day off, and we're in New Orleans. Oh, okay. That works. Yeah, totally. Um, do you like New Orleans? I, I have a lot of – I've heard a lot of mixed uh, opinions on the city. So I absolutely love New Orleans. Um, <laughs> it's been one of my favorite cities, not only in the country but in the world. Um, my my dad lived here in the 90s, and uh, I would spend a lot of time. Me and my brother would come down, and we would hang out for you know weeks on end with him. And uh, my uncle still lives here, so we would always go to like Mardi Gras, Jazz Fest, oh, and yeah. stuff. So I have like a lot of really great childhood memories. And then when we first started touring, um, I have some really awesome like touring memories here too. Well, so, when you guys were first touring, that was probably right around, like, right post-Katrina. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, um, I, 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 I mean, the whole city has completely changed, too. Because I remember yeah. you walking around and, like, you know, entire blocks would just be, like, you know, all the buildings would be closed up. It was wild. And uh, I remember, you know, I remember my aunt and uncle, they were just telling me, they're like, they really just didn't know if it would ever come back. Because it just took years and years to, uh, you know, to revitalize. So, I mean... I, I guess I don't know as much about what, what's going on with the city, but from the looks of it, it seems that everything is, is uh, you know, it's doing a lot better than obviously it was. No, I, I like New Orleans a lot too. I think a lot of mm-hmm. bands, like some of the perspective we have of, of places is how, like like people's opinions on cities, is how annoying it is as a band to be <laughs> Very in, true. Or how like successful you are. Like people love Cologne, Germany because shows are so good there. Absolutely. New Orleans, not exactly like a hotbed of, of, you know, of pop, punk rock, you know? Totally. Um, So then that, yeah, yeah, it makes it, it gives the the city like a different vibe because people go there and it's like, oh, well, we only had like 200 kids at our show or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And that, that, that's like an interesting thing that happens with, with what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. And that totally changes everything. And I think that's why, like, you know, it's, it's hard to get a show here just because like you said, it's not, there's not as much of a scene, but like, you know, when you can take an off day here, it's amazing. (laughs) You know, like every, the rest of the guys, they all went on a, uh, um, a cemetery tour today. that's, (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, it's just like cool stuff like that. Um, there's a bunch of good restaurants we're all planning on going to and stuff. So uh, yeah, it's just you know you know how it is. Like if when you have an off day and you're at a, a hotel on off of the side of the highway yeah. and there's literally nothing to do besides you know eat Jimmy John's or something <laughs> like that, it just sucks. But like when you're in a really amazing city, it it, uh, it makes for a great off day. No, totally. That's I'm right on board with you there, man. So you're on tour with Tiger's Jaw and Culture Abuse, and you're. Yep. Heading now from west to east. Yeah. And you're halfway through. How's it been? 
It's been amazing. It's been, it's been crazy, actually. Um, the shows have all, you know, they're like all selling out. They're packed out. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's been a dream tour. Everybody's been so fun to be around. Um, and we're playing, you know, kind of playing a lot of our favorite clubs. Uh, yeah, just, and, and it just, you know, it's a new album tour. So it's super fun to be able to play new songs every night. Right. Um, you know, it's, it was, it's a six week tour, which none of us actually realized was that long until like <laughs> a month beforehand. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it doesn't even seem that long. Like it just, it, I don't know. It's, it's wild. Like we're like three weeks have gone by and it feels like it's a week. We're a weekend. So, yeah. um, that's kind of like the best thing when that happens. So, well, the end of the tour will certainly drag. That's, uh, yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> that's how it always, always goes, right? it goes. So the new record is out. Hello exile. It's been out for what, like a month, a little over a month. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I, yeah, I mean, going back out on tour, I always wonder, you know, it's, I have, a take on it and I've heard other people's take on it. It's like, it's hard to know how much of the new stuff to play. Absolutely. And w- like you guys have so much material now. Um, and you're, especially since you're coming off a record that was so successful and so <laughs> well loved and so many people found out about you on that album, you kind of have <laughs> to play those songs, I think. Totally. Right? So and it's like really of- hard. Cause a lot of times it's like, okay, we aren't going to play that much from like the last album because we just did that album tour. Uh-huh. So now we're switching it up and playing new stuff, but I feel like it must be hard, a hard thing for you to navigate. Absolutely. And I think this, like, it's, it's crazy because, uh, you know, there's like the set staple kind of songs that I feel like we have to play. You know, if we like showed up somewhere and didn't play good things, people would be like pretty pissed off, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of been one of those things of just being like, um, how many new songs to play. So I think we're doing anywhere from like six to eight per night. Uh, we've kind of been switching it up. We kind of like wanted to rotate songs in and out. Cool. And, um, and it's a first tour too, that we're doing, we're doing like an hour and a half set. Typically we kind of always done like an hour, 10 hour, 15. So yeah. we just bought ourselves a little bit extra time and, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of going for it on that end. So, yeah, it's amazing how much longer an hour and a half is than an hour and 10 though. Like that it, it, extra, it's only 20 minutes. It's only like, you know, maybe six songs or something like that, but yeah. it ends up being like crazy longer. It feels longer. And then there's also weird, like, I feel like the crowd, you kind of need to plan, like you can't really just go at them like as hard as you can for an hour and a half. You have to plan out like some kind of a little lull in the set. Absolutely. You know, how, how has that been? Cause you guys aren't typically a band that does that, right? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like been one of the bigger changes that, you know, it's almost, it's pretty exciting for us to do is it was kind of always been a band where we're just going to fire on 10 the entire set, yeah. you know? And we were like, well, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, our songwriting is kind of changing the dynamic of, 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 uh, what we want to be as, as a band is kind of changing from that aspect. And we kind of wanted to, you know, have parts of the set that are, you know, slower and, uh, you know, we having like an acoustic block in the middle right. uh, towards the end of the set, you know, when people are like generally pretty tired and they're, they're <laughs> done crowd surfing, you know, and just have something to, to chill out on. And, uh, so that's been like super fun for us to have a bit more dynamic of a set than, you know, just the, let's just kill them with, uh, you know, sing alongs kind of stuff. Totally. Well, you know, being like a you know a punk rock band and coming from from punk rock where, where you know your some of your songs are are shorter mm-hmm. and you know you got to play a lot of them but also your fans have gotten older yeah and you talk a lot about this in your songs about yeah. you getting older but your fans i feel have grown with you and Absolutely. now you have a lot of fans that are in their 30s um 
maybe I don't know about a majority, but I feel like you you do have a bit of an older fan base. Yeah. And, and is it important for you guys to really give them a good show when like so much of the time this is like they've got a maybe got a babysitter or like they got to get up early for work and they're making a sacrifice or something to see your band play, you know, you're giving for, them that extra. Is yeah. that is that kind of part of the the thinking? Yeah, totally. And that's like a, that's a big part of it too. We, we actually talk about it a lot because for so long we kind of judged the show based on like, all right, was there a lot of crowd surfers? Was there, right. you know, how was the, how was like, <laughs> was there a big pit the whole show? Like stuff right. like that. And you know, now we're like, wow, you know, I'm 31. The other guys are 33. And we're like, when we go to shows, we stand in the back and watch the bands. And you're like, the majority of our fans are those kind of people now too. You know, they've kind of transitioned from like, I'm going to be right up front singing along, you know? So we're kind of like, you know, we, we don't need to write a set list where we're just constantly, you know, catering to like, to have, a, you know, people stage dive the entire time. So it's like, uh, we definitely, we definitely want to have like, you know, more dynamic set, a longer set, things that are just, you know, different from time to time because it's, uh, you know, like you said, our, our fan base has really grown with us and they continue to come out to our shows year after year, but we want to make sure that they feel different and they feel, you know, it's something that they want to continue to keep seeing and, and supporting. So we try to, you know, just switch it up and, but just still be like honest and just do what we've always done. So, Yeah. Yeah, man, totally, totally. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about your your upbringing and your origins, if you don't cool. mind. Of course, uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's a cool it's a cool place. Like, well, not really a cool place, um, <laughs> but it's an interesting place because it's very close to a lot of things. Yep. But probably too far away when you're a kid to like really go to New York City to see a show. Like maybe yeah, sure. Philadelphia, you you'd go all the time. <laughs> but I kind of wonder what it was like growing up there. Um, you know, I know you met like most of your band, I think when you were in high school. Yeah. So how did that kind of dynamic work and what was it like for you? Um, I just picture a bunch of punks like fucking shit up. Is that accurate? Yeah. <laughs> I, more or less. Uh, so, <laughs> so basically, uh, the, the three guys, uh, Tom, Eric and Joe, they all went to the same high school. They lived in Scranton and I lived in a, a tiny town outside of Scranton, um, called Lake Ariel. So I went to a different high school than them. Um, and yeah, I went to, a, I went to a different high school than them. And, uh, you know, the punk scene was just so small. Um, but it was like very, you know, it was very vibrant still, you know, um, touring bands would come through and they would play in, in Wilkes-Barre and there, would, you know, there would always be 200 people like packed out of, you know, kids from the ages of like 15 to 22 or, you know, just were really young and, um, supportive. So, um, uh, I kind of met everybody through that scene. I started, um, some bands in high school, you know, just kind of fun stuff. And then, uh, you know, when those bands broke up, um, and the other guys' bands broke up. That's kind of, I was senior year in high school, and that's kind of when we started the Menzingers, which is, I always like think back and realize how funny it is that I'm still in my high school band. <laughs> like, yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. Well, you, you know, know what? I actually, I am too, technically. Yeah. Because nice. I started, uh, Silverstein was started um, when I was 19. I was in my last year of high school too. That's amazing. Uh, we have an extra year in Canada, we have an extra year of high school. Okay. I didn't gotcha. fail, fail or anything. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it is funny, right? And, and like, yeah, and you've been trucking along the whole time and now you're in your thirties and it's, it's funny, right? Because how much you've probably grown up with these people, of course, you know, yeah. and like you think back to, 
to when you were in high school and you were just not really, no one really knew anything. And now you've figured it out all together. That's kind of a, totally. a beautiful story. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we've been so fortunate to, to go through this journey, just the four of us uh, together. Like, you know, we've learned so much, um, you know, just, just uh, from, from doing this since I was 17, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, you know, I think that there's like screenson was really cool, um, to start music. Cause well, it was, it, it had a lot of beneficial things and it had a lot of negative things about it. So the, the negative things were kind of the obvious that it was so insular, you know, like mm-hmm. it was hard, it was hard for us to kind of break out of just like, you know, playing in in scranton like you know getting into philly getting like playing getting shows in new york like that that was really difficult because it was all about who you knew you know and um we, we didn't really know anybody in those cities we we would try to get on shows but um for a long time it just didn't really work but on the flip side of that is that we had like this amazing music scene in scranton that was like you know uh when title fight were starting and right. tiger's jaw and we had a bunch of uh, of our other friends bands and and like there's all these all these kids that were, were like so involved and doing so much cool stuff um so we had our own thing but it was kind of like no one else was paying attention to it um and and yeah that was kind of that was kind of our decision where we knew that we wanted to be a band full time, but it just wasn't working for us in, in Scranton. So that's when we moved to Philly and, you know, started making a lot of friends in the music industry. And it's funny because by the time we moved to, to Philly, then everybody, like everybody started paying attention to all these Scranton bands. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, always the way you it know, so, Right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was, uh, so then we kind of moved, we moved to, to Philly in, to, in 2008 and that's kind of, you know, it's kind of where the band's home base is, is essentially just because um, we weren't we weren't really doing that much in Scranton. There was there, we couldn't get on tours, you know. Right. We would that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's amazing that matters. I guess it, it matters. It probably matters less now than it Definitely. did 10, 11, 12 years ago, whatever it is. Um, because just now everything is so on the internet, and no one really cares where anyone's from, and like no. the scenes are kind of like I always say, like you hear a band. And you're like, oh, it's a cool band. And like, you used to be able to kind of tell where they were from, like if they were sure. a West Coast band or an East Coast band. Now it's like, oh, they're probably just from like Ohio or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, that's so true. It's like, those, like bands could, you know, like in 2005, you had to like kind of do it the old school way of like you go on tour and tour and you gain your, your fan base from like touring. And that's kind of how mm-hmm. we, you know, realized that that was the only way that was going to work for us where now it's like, you know, you can just put out an album and then online overnight, it can be an online sensation and, and you can go on tour and have a sold out tour, which is just like, you know, so nuts to us that that would even be possible. <laughs> it's like so nuts. Like uh, that band, I prevail. I'm, I'm friends with uh-huh. them. And uh, great, great kids. Yeah, their first show ever was sold out at the Crowfoot in Pontiac, Michigan. Like, <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, they just, but like, I mean, I, I laugh and I shake my head, but like, in a way, like, I don't want, I never want to be that like old jaded dude that sure. says like, oh, I think like I paid my fucking dues. Like I'm, I'm better <laughs> than you. Cause I don't, I think that, you know, this, this shit evolves and, and good for, good for uh, younger people for figuring it out. Yeah, but that I, blows I, my totally. mind, man. Just it, it really does. You, too. you make a, like bands are making videos before they ever play shows. <laughs> That's so backwards. Totally. And as long as the band has the, their head on the right shoulders, you know, and uh, they're doing it for the right reasons, like no one should have to like grind it out. Like all every all of our bands that are around our age 
did, you know, like doing house show tours for no money and, you know, yeah, like but it just was fun, though, man. But it yeah, was fun. It was, you're right. <laughs> like selling, like there's a video we were, we're doing our 20 year anniversary next year and there's a, we're looking at old photos and stuff because we're talking about like maybe doing like some kind of a book or like something like oh, cool. that. And there's a photo from one of our first tours of me selling t-shirts on grass, like on the lawn <laughs> outside a house show in a front, like using a flashlight to sell merch to like, just so I can make $12 to sell a yeah, shirt sure. to somebody just so $12 in the gas tank. Like that stuff is so funny, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, it, it is really great. And you know, <clears throat> you definitely, there's, there's things about that aspect of our touring career that I, I just, you'll, you'll never be able to get back because, you know, things have changed so much, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't even think I've gone to a house show in five or six years, you know, it's just like that kind of stuff. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's off of my radar. I guess I'm old yeah, now. It's like, you know, it's true. like, it's for another generation and, uh, you know, I don't even think our fans would want to see us in a house even if we did play it. They'd be like, this sounds like shit. (laughs) I know. I know. How does, so how does a full band move work? Like you guys are adults with like shit going on and people have girlfriends and, and like whatever different financial situations. Sure. So all of a sudden to be like, Hey guys, we're moving to Philadelphia. Like that's, I mean, I know it's still in the same state. It's not like on the other side of the country or a different country. But I still wonder how that works, and I, yeah, I'm weird was, about the um, the technical <laughs> side of things. So I just wonder how that worked. Yeah, it was it was a crazy time. <clears throat> um, so I was uh, I was transferring schools again. So I I initially went to Temple in Philadelphia, um, and you know. I, I, I only did a semester. I was like, it was too hard to do the band in Scranton and, and, and to be there. And I was like, the band is more important to me than school. But I still wanted to go to school, so I kind of transferred back to a school in Scranton, and I did a year and a half. And then um, I was at a crossroads where I had to finish my degree, but um, there was nowhere in Scranton that I, can, that I could do it. Okay. So I transferred back to Philly. So for, for me, I was just like, I, I need to go back to Philly to finish this. Um, you know, I obviously, I, I think, you know, we need to make a decision here of like, we either need to move to New York or we need to move to Philly. And I want to kind of figure out how I can, you know, continue to, to finish my degree and, and do the band. Um, and, you know, I think our first choice was that we all wanted to move to Brooklyn and we just looked into it and it was completely impossible. Like there is, <laughs> there is absolutely no way that we could do it. And uh, so, you know, when, when we started thinking about it more, Philly became the real, you know, of the, the only viable place that we could afford to live. So, um, you know, me and Tom decided to move first and then, um, Eric and Joe moved like a month later and, uh, we had a house together and we all lived together. And then like, you know, we just, we just kind of figured it out somehow. I don't know. We, and it was kind of cool. Cause then like we would go on tour when we all lived together, we would just be like, all right, well, we'll just pay all the bills that we make from tour. Wow. You know, for, so we can live together. And you know, I think a lot, I, we would tell bands that we all live together. They would be like, how, how could you go <laughs> on know. tour that's, and then come home together? And I don't know. It's just like, that's just kind of who we are though. It's like, even when we go home from tour, it's like they're the first people people that I call to hang out with, you know, the next day, it's like, it's pretty wild. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Cause you know, my, my band has had a uh, longevity with the same members for the most part. We've only had one member mm-hmm. change in 20 years. And, uh, people always ask me like, Oh, what's your secret? You know, like, and they mm-hmm. probably ask you that too. Sure. And we have, 
absolutely opposite answers. Like <laughs> my answer is, well, I don't like when we go home, we don't, I don't really see them that much. Like we're sure. friends and stuff, but we're not like best friends. Like gotcha. we see each other and, but like definitely don't live together. Definitely yep. don't like the first person I call like, Hey man, want to get a, get a drink. And it's like, yeah, last night we were in Europe getting a drink and now we're in Philadelphia getting a drink or whatever. Yeah. That's just like, so crazy to me because I don't know how I don't know how you're not sick of these people. I don't know how I, I'm not either. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's crazy, you know. Like I think that we um, we're all really honest with each other, and we all pick on each other a lot, but right. like in in a good, honest way. And we know what like we we know to respect each other's boundaries, you know. And uh, you know, it's it's been a long learning process of of how to deal with you know. You become family, so it's like you know. I know things that I'm not. I, if something gets on my nerves, I know to be like, "Hey, don't don't dive into this. Don't make fun of somebody." You know, this is like you know. You don't have to be mean to them. Like, be nice. You know, and uh, we just kind of like always kind of stuck with that. And you know, if something is really troubling us, you know, we're we're really open com- uh, with our communication. We'll just like kind of talk about why something bothers us, and I don't know. We're just it just kind of works because we all just respect each other's opinions and, and, and each other. And, uh, and, 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 you know, yeah, I mean, we definitely, you know, you definitely have your ups and downs, of course, but, um, you know, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we've just been super lucky with that. It's been super, it's been amazing. So, uh, what were you studying in school? I, so I went to school for political science. Um, I, uh, had a dream of opening a political science store downtown. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I don't really, you know, it was one of those things. I just always knew that I wanted to be in a band, but I, in the back of my mind, I really did want to go to school and kind of do the whole, do the whole thing and have that experience. Um, and I've always loved politics, uh, and I wanted to learn more about it. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, hopefully the band takes off. It's not, you know, I, I always had in the back of my mind, maybe I'd go to law school or, or right. do something, you know, work for a nonprofit, figure something out. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, became so fortunate that like the day that I graduated, um, we, we went on tour. It was wild. And then I had my graduation party in the middle of, of this tour that we were on, which was, it was really fun. So we, we like routed a couple days off, went back oh, home cool. and got like a keg in the backyard and, and then went back on tour. So, um, yeah, I just kind of got lucky that like the whole, the whole thing just kind of took off right when I graduated and I didn't have to have like, all right, well, I got to find the real job and make this work and back and forth. Yeah, it is interesting. And, uh, do you ever think you're going to use that degree now? I mean, like it's, you know, I, know. I mean, your success has yeah. just stayed. You, your, your band seems to have a lot of staying power. And, sure. you know, people always used to say to me, and like, I, I want to ask you about your parents in a second, but like, mm-hmm. they're always, people are always like, well, what are you going to do after this? Like, sure. Or this isn't going to last forever. And yeah. it's like, well, you know what? It might. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's in, the it might thing. in some, in some capacity, like, whether it's, you know, you end up, you know, as a, the band ends up breaking up and you do another band or you do something Mm -hmm. by yourself or you end up producing records or working, you know, somewhere where behind the scenes in music, like none of that requires a degree, you know, degree of the road, I guess. 
Yeah, and I don't think people realize how much you learn about the music industry when you're involved in it from from an artist like perspective. There's yeah. so many career paths that like you know are, are they're definitely difficult to get into if you don't have if you're not in it, you know. But like kind of like you said, like from anywhere from producing to like guitar teching, like uh, you know <laughs> yeah. managing, booking, like there's so many different career paths in, in music. Uh, yeah, you know I I don't know I I really don't. Um, I, I I try not like I used to think about it a lot, mainly when the band like wasn't financially successful and it was like it was pretty hard and there wasn't necessarily the avenue um, over like, are we all going to just continue to do this even though we're not making any money? You know, we're all living together. Like, you know, this is pretty hard. Um, but now it's just like, yeah, the band has been really successful. And it's what's really cool is it brings so much happiness to so many people that across the world. It's like, it's unbelievable, seriously. So, um, I, I think the dream would be not to have to use the degree to continue to do this. Like, you know, it's nice knowing that there's some kind of backup that like, if I ever wanted to go to school again, I, I you know, I could, I can, you know, add to that. But like, I don't know. I just, I, I love songwriting so much. And I love performing music and writing music and like just do, and being in this band that like, I guess the dream is that it, it doesn't have to end. <laughs> That's right. Uh, are your parents super stoked you got your degree figured out and everything? And yeah. like, did you kind of like win them over now? Like, okay. Cause I, I went to school for three years and I never ended okay. up getting my degree. And uh-huh. I, I think my parents are still like fine with it, but mm-hmm. I think a part of them was like, Oh, well, cause I, when we started touring, I did some like classes, you know, like sure. correspondence or uh, online or whatever you did at the time. And, um, uh, I never got my degree though. So, sure. so yeah. How, how is your relationship with your parents and, and your family? Do you have brothers and sisters or anything? Yeah, I have a, I have a younger brother and uh, yeah, my relationship with my parents are great. Um, it's funny because they were, they were definitely a very big deciding factor of like, you need to go to school. You need to go to school. And they were drilling it in me. There wasn't really an option. Like, you know, I could have just said, no, I'm not going, but it would have been, you know, I, uh, I kind of, I agreed with them that I knew that I had to, um, and that I really wanted to, but also like, I was like, I want to do this music thing more, but the music thing really wasn't necessarily ready yet. Um, we were still kind of like figuring that part out. So, um, yeah, they, they were definitely really pushing me to do it. Um, and what's, what's funny though, is that like, after I graduated in the band kind of just, we really just took off, like they love the band now <laughs> they, like, they kind of realized that like going to shows is super fun there's a bunch of booze backstage you get to like hang out and like there's all these different people to get to meet at shows like my dad has seen us like it's crazy he's seen us in like la and like london like he flies awesome. everywhere like and uh yeah so they're like crazy supportive of the band and that's what's really cool is that all of our families are all like you know, really, really supportive. Um, like Eric's parents were like the OG supporters, you know, like, uh, we practiced in his basement, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they, they wear their t-shirts every, like everywhere. They're like, you know, they've always been so supportive of the band. Tom's parents, Joe's parents. It's, it's like, it's re- a really, really cool thing to have, to have that, you know? I think you need that. Like mm-hmm. if, if it wasn't for like my dad helping me out, like, like I traded my car in and then my dad helped me out with a little bit more money so we could get a van, Sure, you know? And yeah, like we practiced in Josh's parents' basement and, and then my parents actually even did our merch, like our our merch (laughs) store when we were on tour, (laughs) you know, in the early days. So yeah, you need that, you know, I think most, almost every band does a really funny story (laughs) was 
uh, this this band called Somehow Hollow that that used to be on Victory Records we toured with. He said that the singer of that band said one time he was um, ordered like a shirt from like the MXPX uh, like web store or something, uh-huh. and uh, he got a phone call and it was Mike Herrera's mom being like, "Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, we don't have that in a, a large. Is a medium okay?" And he's like, uh, sure. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, and like this, at this point, this was like MXPX was a really big deal. You know? Sure, So yeah. it's, it's funny how so many people don't realize behind the scenes, bands need help. <laughs> from, I know. From their families to make this happen. Totally, totally. And like you said, with like the vehicle thing, we're in the same yeah. kind of boat of like Eric's parents. His dad's a mechanic and like just would do all the work for free on the van. And like, yeah. you know, we're buying like cheap vans. So they're always breaking down and stuff. Like, that's huge. Like, I mean, that's like every band's nightmare is to be traveling and then get have a, their van blow up. So, like, things like that of having them help us purchase vans, like always fixing it and just like all the support. Yeah, it's huge. I, we definitely, without like, the community that's kind of supported this band, like our family and our really close knit friends, like we wouldn't have been anywhere, you know? And I think, I think that goes to saying is like every successful band, you know, just having a really strong, strong support structure behind you is like really, really crucial. Definitely. So, uh, you have two singers in the band, which yeah. one of you, you or Tom has lead singer syndrome more, more than the other. <laughs> Very, you know, it's a very interesting question because I would say we both we both suffer from it in different ways <laughs> at different times. You know, like there's there's things that I get really cranky about, and there's things that Tom gets cranky about. Like the, the thing though is is that like we're we're such a insane democracy that we you know we kind of don't really have the one person who's like, well, it's got to be his way because that's how it goes. Like oh, yeah. we're you know like we just never like. <laughs> the rhythm sections never let that fly, you know, and rightfully so. So, um, yeah, you know, I would say that Tom has his moments, and I definitely have my moments. But uh, we're, I guess, we're, we're pretty equal. <laughs> Very diplomatic answer. Good job. Yes. <laughs> uh, but having two singers in a band is like a bit unique. You guys, sure. Um, I don't know how much you guys split the vocal duties. Um, mm-hmm. in, in fact, I don't always know who's singing on some of the songs. I'm sure that happens. Like yeah, to, to, a lot just, of people tell us that. Yeah, it's weird. I like feel like I should know, and then I have to like kind of think about it in my head. Yeah. Um, but how does it work with writing like that? Do you guys write together? Do you write separately? Bring your songs in. It's you know it's 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 crazy. People ask us this question a lot, and I I wish that I had like a better concrete answer because it it always changes for us. Um, I would say so we always when we start writing an album it's always the four of us in a room writing it you know um and that's how we've done every single album how we get there and how we get the songs has kind of always been um a little you know it's they they all every song kind of takes its own path i would say the majority of the times it's tom or i coming in with a um a melody, a verse, or a chorus, something to guide where the direction of the, the practice is going to go. And then the four of us kind of uh, jam out the arrangement and the music behind it and kind of form it that way. I would say typically, like, um, you know, for most of the time, if I'm singing a song, I'll 
I'll kind of write all the the lyrics and the melody. And if Tom's singing a song, he'll write the lyrics and the melody. That's not always totally true. Like we've definitely kind of shared uh, shared melodies, shared lyrics before. But I would say almost all the time, that's kind of the case. And uh, and yeah, it's kind of like you know, I would say on this last album, Hello Exile, it was pretty typical where um, I would go in to practice and be like, Hey, I got this. Uh, I got a verse and a chorus, you know, here it is. And we would kind of jam on it. And then what that would happen at that practice, I would go home at night and kind of rewrite my melodies and lyrics to kind of fit what we're working on. Go in again the next day, do that whole thing, take it home at night, edit it again, and then go back and kind of, that's, that kind of was like the the most successful structure that we've had in a long time. No, definitely. Um, And working with Will Yip, I know you've talked about how he's kind of a geek for songwriting yeah, how he kind of fits you guys as a producer so well. Does he have interesting takes like that ever where it's like, hey, uh, I know you wrote this song, Greg, and it means a lot to you, but maybe Tom would sound better singing this song. <laughs> like, does that ever happen? You know, that that never did happen, but um, it would be totally cool if it, if it did happen. Yeah. I'd be totally open to it, you know? Um, I think a lot of times with Will, you know, he, he's, he is like a total geek, a songwriting geek, you know, uh, much like I am. And um, that's kind of the beauty of working with him, of just getting down to it and like looking at seeing what works being like, Hey, you know, what is the idea of the bridge? It's to build, you know, what is, what are we trying to get here? And then realizing that what we have might not work, you know? And, uh, what's really cool too is I think, as singers and me and Tom definitely uh, fall into this category of that you get really comfortable in your melodic choices and uh, like, you know, you, you kind of tend to sing things a certain way and you know, your verses tend to sound a certain way. It's like, you know, that's how you just always have have done it. And what's really cool about Will is he kind of, he tries to break us out of that sometimes. And um, you know, he has much more of an ear uh, for like, he loves like pop music, you know, he was in, uh, Lauren Hill's bands. So, uh, you know, and, um, so he, he has, so when he comes, when he's like, Hey, I got this idea for a melody for an outro and I'll just start humming something. And then I'll just go, Oh, it'll click, you know? And then all of a sudden I could put the words and I can finish the melody of what he was working on. And it's, uh, it's different than like, say, me and Tom going back and forth on that because we've kind of both have been doing that for years and years now, you know, and uh, having somebody else in there kind of breaking us out of what we're, we're comfortable with is uh, totally. it's been really awesome for us. Totally. Well, I love that too, but I also think producers have that too. Like everybody yeah. has their own thing. So, you know what I mean? If you can bring a producer that their, you know, melodic um, brain, the way that their melodic brain works and the way that your melodic brain works, if they can mm-hmm. work in different ways, you know, uh, but work together, that's the best. For sure. Um, that, yeah. And I always I mean, found that that's, yeah, the yeah, best no, of songwriting is having, um, the be- like, I always think the best songs always come from, you know, having a lot of uh, interpretation in it. Like, I, at least in, in our respect, like, you know, um, it's like, if I was going to try to write a song completely on my own, I feel like it's never going to be as good as having like a bunch of hands in there. Um, and I know a lot of people don't like that and they, they like, no, this is how it goes. I want the song to be this, Mm -hmm. but I just feel like there's so much strength of having other creative minds involved with it. Cool. That's that's a very mature take. I like (laughs) that. Um, I guess having another guy handling, a large chunk of the vocals is nice live. You get a little yeah, bit of a break. It's incredible. <laughs> I would, I always think of like singers, like, you know, like 
And how does like Davy Havoc do it? You know, people that sing like at the top of their lungs, like yeah. just so loud, like the screaming shit. Like, damn, like, <laughs> yeah, dude, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. Like, how do you do it? Like that kind of stuff. Like, um, then yeah, even like, uh, who was I thinking about the other? Oh, like, you know, we've toured with Taking Back Sunday a bunch and like just talking to Adam because Adam sings so high and for so long, their sets are like hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you do to warm up for it? He's just like, oh, I've never done warm ups ever. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How could you have a, you know, you toured all like 200 days out of the year and you sing these songs, but I don't know, I guess. But yeah, so <laughs> what I'm getting at is essentially having two singers is, is amazing for that. Like just being able to write a set list where it's like, all right, I'll, th- I'll sing three songs. Tommy sing three songs and we'll kind of go back and forth. It's great. No, it's, it's also probably cool. Like you're a guitar player. Mm-hmm. And being able to focus a little bit on guitar once in a while. Like, Definitely. I feel like that's something that as a singer, I miss. I miss playing guitar. Yeah. But I love just being like, all right, I can just like focus on like actually playing this riff rather than like sort of playing guitar half assed while I'm trying <laughs> to hit all the fucking notes. Because that's totally. kind of what singing is when you're playing guitar. I, I- you can never be that good at, at playing guitar when you're singing, you know, cause like you're always focusing on hitting the notes and everything. And, and yeah. yeah, that's like, that's the part I love just being able to sit back and, and play guitar. I feel like I, I love the opportunity of, of getting to sing and getting to write lyrics and kind of express myself in that way. It's like one of the greatest gifts that's ever happened to me, but like in another life, I would love to just be a guitar player, no <laughs> microphone and just be able to play and not have to sing. <laughs> totally. I think that if I was, just a guitar player or a bass player, I'd have a severe alcohol problem. Absolutely. I would say the same exact thing. Or it was just being like, the only reason that I can't drink a lot before is because I can't drink and sing, (laughs) you know, but I can drink and play guitar. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Or just like the next day you wake up and like, my voice is gone because I was yelling. So you have to, you can't do those things. And it's, it's definitely true. Um, I want to talk a little uh, about a couple of the songs from the new record, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. before I let you go. Absolutely. And you know, I think the the first the first song, "America, You're Freaking Me Out," also the first single. It's interesting because I didn't know about your political science background, uh-huh. uh, because you're not really a political songwriting guy. No. Yeah. Um, and definitely. To do that, I, I mean, obviously, we're in kind of a critical, very like the president is right now potentially getting impeached so yeah you know it's kind of a wild time it's uh, a wild time is that sure. what kind of compel you to, to finally kind of break your silence and make a bit of a statement uh kind of yeah you know like i've it's it's tough because i've always kind of valued uh, you know i love political music and i love protest music and uh folk music you know that's that's always been kind of uh, socially driven in that regard. Um, but I've, to be honest with you, I've always struggled with writing it. Um, I, it's, it, it doesn't really come naturally to me. And I'm, I'm very in tune, uh, with politics, with, uh, yeah. you know, I, I follow every, I, you know, I read the paper every day. I, you know, I'm pretty up to date with that kind of stuff, but, um, political writing has never really, uh, come natural to me. And it's something that I've, I've always wanted to get better at. Every time we write an album, I'm always writing, uh, political music and then I just find out I'm just like ah, I don't know I don't like it I don't like it you know and um, it always ends up feeling very time in a place but for this song right when we were starting the album I knew that I, I wanted to do uh, I wanted to write a, you know a very standout political track and uh, that was yeah that was just one where I was just like it's okay to just be 
blatant and obvious here, you know, like shit is fucking insane and it's crazy and it's wrong. And like, you know, um, I knew that I wanted to say something. It's like the elephant in the room. How could you write an album now and not mention something, you know, not mention politics. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of, it's just one of those things. And now, you know, what's been really cool is that it's, it's a lot of people have just come up to me and said like, you know, thanks for that song. You know, I'm kind of feeling the same way. It's like, it's great to have this. And it's kind of sp- lit the, the, the spark in me to be like, man, I want to continue to, to write about things that I care about that aren't just about like, you know, my life or my family life and stuff like that, you know, outside of that. And, um, I think in the past when I've written about politics, it's kind of been, um, kind of almost in like the more Bruce Springsteen kind of way where you're talking about a story, you know, that is politically, it's a politically driven story because life is, you know, for, you know, surrounded by politics, uh, you know, song like Midwestern States, you know, of, of kind of, um, you know, the, the recession kind of, uh, right. being young and not having an opportunity for jobs and things like that. And it kind of comes off, it doesn't really come off political, but in essence it's political. Um, I've kind of, that's kind of been more the kind of style that I wanted to write in, but, um, yeah, for, for America, you're freaking me out. I just felt like I kind of wanted to just go for it. <laughs> totally, man. Totally. Yeah. Um, no, it's great. It's a great, great song. Um, I wonder Thanks. though, has, has there been any backlash like there's so many people that are like you're just a singer of the band like stay in your lane like do you do you you get that i thought there would be so much more backlash um but honestly absolutely none Hmm. i also don't i don't really read like youtube comments and shit like that (laughs) uh because i don't like to torture myself but um you know i'm sure there is somewhere on the internet people like that kind of stay in your lane talk about whatever but um yeah, no. I mean, I I think the thing about the song too is it, it's it's there's not it's not like a song with a bunch of hot takes, you know. I think right. everybody could could understand that like, you know, um there's economic injustice that's happening in the country. The whole country, you know, like everything that I sing about, you know, hiding behind religion, things like that, like they're pretty they're pretty obvious stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh I yeah. think no matter where you fall, um everybody can agree that shit's wrong in america right now so i think that kind of saved it (laughs) absolutely so we did talk about we did talk about drinking a little bit um Mm -hmm. and there's the song i can't stop drinking i'm not sure how serious the song is like in some ways it's it's written like yeah i i seriously have a problem like i'm a functioning alcoholic but it's also (laughs) got this like kind of like drunk punks like kids doing dumb shit in scranton like vibe yeah sure um yeah it's kind of like a a song i just wanted to ask you about because it's an interesting one and it's it's you know a ballad a ballady song i don't know like yeah so it's it's an interesting one yeah for sure i um i it took me about a year to write it and that's probably the only song on the album, maybe in like almost i feel like maybe even our whole career where it was just like the song i wrote the song and then we just played it and then it was just like, yeah, it's done. You know, like I think it's just that kind of storytelling kind of thing. Um, And, and yeah, it took me a long time to kind of finesse exactly what I wanted to say. I knew that, you know, I knew that I wanted to to write a song about um, my own struggles with alcohol, uh, you know, other bandmates struggles with alcohol, my family, like my people, my, my family, their struggles, my friends. Um, I kind of wanted to just pull a lot of those stories that I've, that I've heard um, over the last decade of, you know, uh, heavy consumption, as you can say, of being in a traveling band. And I wanted to write the story about it all. And yeah, I think I, I didn't want to go, um, you know, I just wanted to be honest with it. And I wanted to tell, I, you know, I, 
I was, I was definitely nervous for people to hear it. Um, cause it's, it's pretty revealing, but, um, right. you know, I think that's like, uh, to me, it's like what I like in, in, in songs. And, um, you know, I, uh, I've written a lot about alcohol in the past and it's usually very, very fun and, you know, kind of like <laughs> always very joyous kind of celebrations with it. And, uh, you know, it's not always like that. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of where, where it came from. Just, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's, it's not, it's not necessarily, it's not my story, but it's like a, a story of a lot of people around me that um, kind of all tied into one. Totally. And London Drugs, were you aware of the of that being a drugstore in Vancouver? That is so funny because I, I actually didn't. I I read, <laughs> I was reading some book, I forget what it was, and I saw the, the word London Drugs. It made me think of all the times that I've been in in, uh, in London and England and, and partying. And then while I was Googling it, I was like, maybe that's a song title. And I Googled it and it was like, yeah, these drugstores in, in Canada. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh my God, this is so weird. So like, I was, there's gotta be somebody that works at the London drugs. It's just like, Jesus, man, don't come here then. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah. No, yeah. that's when I saw the, the track listing and I saw that, that like first thing I saw was that I was like, yeah. Oh, like Vancouver. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like the CVS of, uh, sure. of Vancouver or BC yeah. or, or I guess Western, so, I think it's all of Western Canada, but I've only yeah, ever been yeah. to it in Vancouver. It's not. It's not in uh, Eastern Canada at all. I couldn't believe that that was a thing. It was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is funny, man. Uh, okay, well, I'll let you go. I got one more fan question, if you don't mind. Sh- sure. And uh, I really do appreciate you doing this. No, thank uh, you for having the, me. The question is: uh, after the after the party, the record got a lot of heat. It opened a lot of doors for your band. Was it surprising to see so many people finally finding out about you guys 10 years after your first album came out? It's, it's a really funny question because, uh, yeah, it was, a little, it was a little strange just being like, where have you guys been all this time? <laughs> you know? right. um, but it's, no, it's, it's amazing because, yeah, like the, like the question said, it's like uh, it was such a turning point for our band. All of a sudden, like, you know, we, um, we, we always did well in, like, say, New York or Chicago, L.A., Philly, that kind of stuff. Um, but then all of a sudden now we're like doing well in Omaha, you know, we're doing well and like, like, you know, just all over the place. And then that was like where we had critical success across the world where we can go to Australia and, and do club tours and, and, you know, going back and forth to Europe and doing that. So it was, it, it was wild. And still to this day, we just, I think that the way that I, I kind of always thought that people's like fans favorite would always be a record on the impossible past when we play those songs. And now it's kind of crazy because there's some people in the crowd that don't even know those songs. Yeah. And then we play after the party songs and it's like the place goes nuts and they're like, Oh wow. So it's, it's pretty wild in that sense where, um, you know, but I, I kind of like that. I feel like the band is continuing to grow. And I think that that's going to be kind of our legacy where we can continue to, you know, write albums that, that people are going to want to listen to and sing along to. Absolutely. Great answer. Great answer. <laughs> well, Greg, thank you so much for doing this, man. And, uh, have a great rest of your tour. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for I having me. This the, has been awesome. The, they keep coming out in droves and supporting this I thing. So and, uh, <laughs> I hope to see you around, man. Yeah. Sounds great, dude. Thanks All again. Right. I will play a tune for the people. Here it is. America, you're freaking me out on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thanks, Greg. Thanks again. Take care.
is with the very well-spoken Greg of the Menzingers, the political science major, now finally writing some political songs. Uh, it was really awesome having him. What a guy. What a band. Oh, man. And what a song you just heard. The opening track of their brand new record, which is out now. Go pick up that shit on vinyl. I'm sure they pressed it on like four or five different colors. It probably all looks amazing. Pick it up. Next week, we're going to have another great episode. I know I said that in the intro, but I just want to make sure that you know. It's with my friend, Jeremy of The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, he's a guitar player. He's also a great lead singer. And his voice on the new Devil Wears Prada album really shines. So I wanted to get his take. That's not to be missed. So make sure you're back next Wednesday to check that out. Do we have time for another song? I think we got time for another song. Let's rip one. Here it is. The title track from the last Menzingers record. Here it is. After the party on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next week. Thank you.